Coming up on today's show... He really has essentially become a second father. And I mean, there's no one better to learn from than the guy that ran the world, right? And so he is the definition of what, you know, today's music industry is. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Be sure you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter. Yes, I am aware that a lot of people are trying to get you to join their mailing list. That's because those folks want to bombard you to the point where you ultimately are going to hit the unsubscribe button. I'm happy to report, proud to say, that I only send out once a week, that's it, on Wednesday, when a new episode of this show comes out. So make sure you're signed up to receive that for free to your inbox. If you're not already getting it, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and pop your email address into the sign-up box. I do publish exclusives in there from time to time, so don't miss out. I love hearing from listeners of this show. You can write to podcast at nhte.net. Or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Miami, my guest is an entertainment executive who is the mastermind behind some of music's biggest producers, including the multi-platinum Monsters and Strangers and Latin Grammy Award winning and Grammy Award nominated Taney, with whom he, four years ago, co-founded Neon 16, a media and entertainment company that was voted the number one most innovative music company in 2021 by Fast Company. My guest has been included in Billboard Magazine's Latin Power Players list this year, and they're 40 under 40 in 2020. His first documentary series was the most watched non-scripted show in Latin America on Disney+, Plus, and one of the four most Streamed series in the United States. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Lex Barrero. Hey Bruce, thanks for having me. Excited to, uh, to talk here today with you and uh, and uh, answer some questions and have some fun talking about the entertainment business. Absolutely, absolutely. And Lex, thank you so much for making time in your busy schedule to talk with me today. You wear so, so many hats, so I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you. The intro, in fact, could have actually gone on and on with lots more that you have done and are doing. Let's start off by having you add to all of that by first telling us about what has evolved into the AM16 agency in 2023, because I could read to the audience the description from the company website, but it's much better to hear it from you in your own words. Yeah, so... You know, I think what started as a as a music company and what I like to call a flag of the culture with Neon 16, that has evolved into, you know, a film and television company and entertainment studios and entertain studios and uh, an advertising and marketing agency with AM16. I think our, our goal or our success has really come from identifying problems and, and coming up with the best creative solution while being culturally relevant. So with AM16, we just felt that you know, the majority of brands that we were working with, whether it was endorsements or things that we were doing with them for our clients, there was always this misconnection between one of their marketing efforts and the next. And so we really thought that creating an agency that could be 
the through line for the narrative uh, that they were trying to build while they were trying to reach our audience, um, that essentially that would solve the major problem that most of these brands has and, and has what's been the success of the company thus far. And, and we've been able to work global brands like the NFL and Red Bull Racing and uh, Shark Ninja and so many others. Uh, but it really has come down to try to solve that, that major issue that brands have within their marketing department, which is really creating that narrative. Uh, so much of what we do in the entertainment business, whether it's breaking an artist or doing a film and television show or, or, uh, or doing brand marketing, it's all about narrative. And I think that's what we've become experts at. Now, you acquired that as the multimedia firm Aero Media, and it is said that you live by the company motto in all your business endeavors, fear nothing, impact everything. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I believe in the energy that you set uh, and the intention you set when you build a business. Uh, and one of the things I say about all our businesses is that we're 80% creative, 20% trying to figure out how to pay for it. Uh, <laughs> so that's a, that's the motto of the company. You know, we really embark in trying to have creativity and impact be the first goal and the financial results of that just be the blessing of it, but not necessarily the goal. Yeah, and I'm laughing, but in all seriousness, if you kind of go into it, you're putting limitations on yourself. If you don't adopt that fear, nothing, impact everything, you're going to start giving reasons why you can't do things instead of why you can do the things that you're saying that AM16 is doing. Exactly. No, and I, and I think it's also, too, it creates the opportunity, right? Whenever you're not just thinking about the financial benefit of a deal that you're doing or or any, especially because we're in a creative industry, you then allow yourself to be free to create without any limitations. And I think that's where the the biggest success comes from, you know, in music and film and TV and brands. It comes from not having any limitations and really breaking those walls. Yeah, I'm smiling over here. If this was a video podcast, people would see the big grin on my face because I'm listening to you say you're serving creatives. So how can you be creative yourself if you're not going to be open to this idea of fear nothing, impact everything. So I love it. We're off to a great start here. And in the intro, I simply said that Neon 16 is a media and entertainment company, but that's not doing it justice. Share more about what Neon 16 is and how it's different from AM16. And by the way, what's with 16 being in the name of both companies? <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So I'll start with, with the name, right? Um, 16 and the overall number 16 is really meaningful because it was the age I started in the music business. So it always became, you know, like the perfect number for me to use. It was a significant number. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe five years into my entertainment career, I read on John D. Rockefeller and I, and uh, Rockefeller became the world's first billionaire September 1st, 1916. Mm. And so I've adapted that mentality of, kind of the thought process and how he looked at human relation and work relation that I really like embodied in, in our business. And I said, you know, 1916 feels like an amazing business. Actually, all our holding companies and everything are called 1916, but mm. we've used the 16 and different things. And Neon started because when we started the company, we were in Tokyo and we have a, a huge appreciation for the Japanese culture. And so, you know, the Neon lights, Neon 16, that's where it came. But mm. the company really started as, like I said, as a flag of the culture. I had just come from running uh, Rock Nation for, for Jay. And, and one of the things I learned from those guys is that they really understood the power of building the brand and being this flag of the culture so that if you wanted to deal with hip-hop or urban culture or black culture, 
Rock Nation was the first stop that you that you did. And obviously, for us, when we come into Miami and we saw what was happening four years ago with Latin music, uh, we wanted to be that same flag of the culture. So we started uh, originally as a production house, uh, and we got an opportunity to break artists like, you know, Bad Bunny and Caliucci and give Selena Gomez her first Grammy nomination. And then that evolved into a record label, into a music publishing company, and then really into a culture business. We started to reimagine what events like industry events could look like because I had been you know, 20 years in the, in the music industry and I had seen it all and I really wanted to reinvent what an industry event will feel like. So we started to create these super cultural events within gaming and, and sports that really allowed artists to come and have a good time and not just show up because they had a responsibility to show up. And in doing so, we you know, became this cultural hub um, that represented or curated for corporate America what the Latin culture was. Um, and as part of that, you know, we in 2020, we were named most innovative company by Fast Company, beating Beyonce mm. and, and, um, and Swiss Beats and Timbaland's Versus, who at the time were doing amazing things during quarantine. But I think it came from that position of us being able to do something that no one else was doing in a market that no one else was touching at the time. Um, and I, I think that that really allowed Neon 16 to grow to what it is today. I'm going to put on the back burner for a few minutes. I'm going to come back around to it. But the fact that you mentioned breaking in at age 16 and without getting into your backstory just yet, I really admire, Lex, a lot of the different things that you just said in terms of I kind of put that in and spit it back out as what a visionary Lex is. These ideas, these projects, these events, these opportunities that you see, where does that gift come from? I think it starts with discovery, right? As a kid, I was always the kid that like would get a toy and would, you know, break it apart just to see how it works. And then I would always try to find a a problem or something that I felt that I could do better, right? And I think uh, the majority of my genius ideas or the vision that I have is usually uh, rooted at the fact that I, I want to do something better for humanity, right? So mm. um, I, I look at the core of how we can create something to help other people. And the root of our business is in that, right? whether it's a talent in music or film or TV or brand, it's always on how can we deliver something in a better way? How can we solve these problems that these companies are having? Or, or how do we help our clients reach their dreams? And so we're very meticulous in understanding what the problem is and the goal is that way we can start working towards it. And, and we, for example, with our clients, we sit down and we ask them to write a list of all their dreams, but we ask them to be super specific. We tell them, Hey, don't tell us you want to win a Grammy. There's, you know, 30 some categories, which category do you want? So we understand how to get you there. Mm. And so we're very meticulous on being super focused on the details and the small things. And then again, finding the, the solutions. I think when you identify problems and you feel that you can create the solution is usually where the big business idea comes from. Well, I also admire you because there's a lot of people that like to take the if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach, meaning they'll just kind of go through the motions and sure, they might be getting results. But I think, Lex, what you're doing is you are looking at how much is available to us nowadays, all the technology, all the advancements that have been made, all the different channels that are available, perhaps even things like AI. And you're saying, we have these. Why don't we leverage them? Let's take advantage of them and let's see what we can do above and beyond what people might just see on the surface when looking at these different scenarios that we're dealing with. Exactly. 
yeah, I think it's the best way to approach uh, any kind of business and any kind of opportunity is really being able to, to utilize all the solutions and, and to not be scared of, of disrupting, of impacting. Uh, again, it's very easy to follow the traditional music business model. And I think that's what was happening in, in Latin music when we got here. Most of my peers were really focused on, you know, the traditional getting a master deal at a label and go do touring. And that was, you know, and they were being successful because, you know, if you have an artist that's selling records and selling shows, you can make a lot of money. But then that's as far as they would go. And so for us to be able to utilize our brand name and our company and our creative to disrupt not only for our benefit, but for the benefit of the whole Latin music industry, I think that was that was what was exciting to me about jumping from pop and urban music to or pop and hip hop to to Latin. Yeah, and I love the example that you just gave. Thank you for saying that, because I think it shows the audience that you could have somebody that as I like to say, is having success in entertainment, right? They're creating music, they're recording it, they're going out on tour, and it's kind of wash, rinse, repeat. But you're saying there's more to do than just that. We can do it a lot more creatively. We can have fun. We can make money. Let's not just settle for this is what the business model has always been because there are more ways to expand that and do a whole lot more with it, regardless of the enjoyment that you think you're getting or the success that you think you're having. Exactly. No, it's key. One of the many things you are passionate about is expressing Latino cultural identity and inspiration through business. Give us some insight as to how you do that, because with a genre of music, I think it's obvious, but how do you do it through business? Well, you know, I think there's, historically there's been, especially within Hollywood and entertainment, there's been this silo that we put multicultural communities in, right? So uh, in the case of Latin, the, the, you know, they try to get into it and say, okay, well, in the content space, you go into it and say, well, I'm going to make a, you know, a, a film super geared to Mexican comedy or a film super geared to New York Puerto Ricans. Um, and because of that, then there's never this widespread of a huge Latino film or Latino content or music that really resonates across. And what we've seen with music this second time around, you know, because the first wave of Latin music about 15, 20 years ago, it was really based on, on a song and kind of these Latin hits coming out. And then obviously Ricky followed and, and Shakira followed and Gloria Stefan followed. But what you're seeing now is these artists that are no longer uh, just, silo into a style of music right or a genre of music but there are just artists that are free like the, the reason bad bunny has become the world's biggest artist is because he's he was able to take the the all the good things that make us latin that touch so many other communities right that you can tell the immigrant story from so many different communities you can tell the family story from so many different communities you can tell the having fun and every that you know that touches every community and really being able to narrate that in a cultural way that touches art and fashion and cinematography and so many other things. So when I look at how to expand our business, I look at it from the same way I look at an artist. It's, I always say an artist has his colors, and his colors are usually its identity, right? Like they're, uh, what they're talking about, their subject matter, their sound, their production. And then you have these points of connectivity, which is what really connects them to their audience. So their interest in fashion, their interest in sports, their interest in, uh, in, you know, in video games, whatever that is. And so 
So when I look at our business, I say the same thing. I know the core of who we are. Does and so through you know sports unites the world, uh, fashion unites the world, art unites the world. So there's all these cultural touch points that we use to grow all of our business and to narrate that story so that regardless where you're from, just because I'm telling you a family story that is surrounding a Latin family like the Montaners, you should be able to put that show on. And even though if you don't know who they are, you should resonate with their story because it's the family story. It's a family that we all want to have. It's, you're, you're not, it's not a show based on rich people. It's a show based on a family in the midst of their biggest transition in life, trying to have kids, trying to settle in with fame, all these things find a rhythm that works and has kept that family together. So that's how I look at creating and building our business. Yeah, and I can think of some examples myself of how wonderful it is that everything has blended so nicely, this crossover where, for instance, earlier this year, I was out in Anaheim at the NAM show and interviewed an artist from right there in Miami, Alamore, and she showed up to the interview, and as you're talking about fashion, you can see the fashion element and that it's not just talking about music. I even think about how the Latin Grammys are a standalone event and the accomplishment that that is for Latino music, that it doesn't just have to be one category at the Grammy Awards. Exactly, yeah. And and again, I think that more of is that transition because I think for the Latin creators that are at a high level, they finally started to understand that the way to grow is to, to really create those touch points with the communities and, and, and resonate a bigger way. Because unlike the black community, we're not a race. We are a culture that has every race in it. So there's, and on top of that, you have, you know, multiple countries represented as part of that, that you have to talk and have different nuances. But once you start understanding that at the end of the day, we connect with the same things as, as humans, and you just use that from a human experience of the of the Latin of, the, of what I call the Latin human experience, but then you resonate it and connect it with, you know, these points of connection across every culture. Then you start having major success, and the stories start, you know, resonating at a wider audience. Well, let's face it: with the popularity of shows like Breaking Bad, and then the spinoffs that came from that, all the way down to, I found myself just so caught up in watching the entire narco series that it never crossed my mind for a minute that they probably spoke as much Spanish, if not more than English. And I think that's a great symbol of how widely accepted it has become in our culture that you can watch that show and not even think twice about the language. Exactly. Everyone, of course, is always looking to get ahead and stand out somehow. Lex, in your case, talk about some of the innovative business techniques that you have utilized to remain on the cutting edge of consumer demand. I think one of the things is, is understanding the concept of, of an ecosystem. Right? When, when I studied creators that I admire, like Walt Disney or Steve Jobs, I think one of the biggest things they identified right away was to win in business, you've got to create an ecosystem that that allows you to be the one-stop machine that, that no one else has, right? And so in the case of Walt Disney, he, he understood that if he was going to build the parks, you know, then his film and television would feed the characters that go to the park. Mm -hmm. Then the music company would feed the music that then goes on the park, that then goes on the television, that then breaks the artist. Wow. Then the merchandising, all, it, you know, it, it was this ecosystem that was completely surrounded so that he can control the whole market, but most importantly, he can be very unique as a business because no one else can offer everything he was offering. And so 
that's what we've done in our business was really understand kind of these three pillars and really it's four pillars with our investment of, um, fund, but these three major pillars in entertainment where we, we know that brands work together and brands need content and need music. We know that music is always, you know, always driven by content and also driven by brand partnerships. And we know that film and television, like the, the best way to really get into it is to have a different perspective. But that perspective also gives you this huge audience of music. So if we're able to create shows that are around, based, around music, but also be able to market our own shows in a different way, then we start creating this, this ecosystem that is very hard to beat and, and becomes very, very innovative because there's not a lot of you know, film and television production companies that have a music division as successful as ours. There's not a lot of labels that have a successful film and television company. And there's not a lot of film TV companies or music companies that have a high-level ad agency attached to it. So that alone allows us to really innovate the way we look at business. So now I'm going to come back around to something that I promised a few minutes ago. So let's stop here for a minute because I'm about to ask you something that's going to be out of context if we don't hear about your background first, your upbringing, your introduction to music, your interest in getting into the business. So take us back and share that story with us first, if you would, please. Yeah, so I'll give you the short story, though. It's a very long story, (laughs) but I'll give you the short story of it. Uh, Essentially, I never wanted to be in music. I never thought I would be. What? Uh, in in the music business, um, growing up, I loved music. I loved hip hop. I was obsessed with everything that that it, it was doing culturally. I loved Michael Jackson, but I also loved Michael Jordan. And and essentially, I wanted to be an architect. I loved the concept of building something, designing something, and seeing that you know flourish. Mm. But as life would have it, you know, my parents were not in a position where they can afford certain things that I wanted. And one of those things were a pair of Michael Jordans. Uh, you know, Chicago bread ones that were coming out. Mm. And so I started to figure out how am I going to get this money? And so I, uh, you know, started selling candy in school. Then I started selling uh, (laughs) CDs. And then, you know, it became apparent that at this time, there's like these five elements of hip hop were really in. And and there was this kid in school that really, like he just had the attention of everyone. He rapped. and, And so I approached him. I said, look, I am starting to mess around with this program called Fruity Loops why don't we make a song together? And we made the song together. And essentially that record, uh, we sold to all our classmates. I got my pair of Jordans <laughs> and then I was hooked. I, uh, I interned in a studio that summer. And in the interning process, as, as I was learning how to engineer and produce and all these things, then I also was able to get a demo from an artist who I thought was you know, fairly good. And I called him and said, look, I don't know anything about the music industry, but I know... I know how to hustle. I know how to move things. I know how to throw parties. And my mom has a my mom's a pastor, so she had a, a studio in the back of the church where she record her preachings. And I told this guy we could record it there, so we recorded a demo album of five songs. And as the summer was being, uh, as the summer was coming to an end, I asked the studio owner, "How do I get to the A and R's and the people that sign the artists?" And mm. he said, "Well, get on the yellow pages and call call everybody and see if somebody picks up." So I called every label in Miami and no one picked up obviously. And, uh, I went into my senior year and somewhere towards the end of my senior year, I got a call from a Sony A&R, mm. uh, who had heard my message. I went to go see him. I was 16 years old. Wow. And as I walked in, he told me, you know, how old are you? I told him my age. He said, if I would have known how old you are, I would have never taken this meeting. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, he took the meeting and he said, hey, look, this music is good. It's not for us. We, we like big pop acts. This is urban. But go go see my friends at, at Revolu uh, Distribution. And mm. they gave me my first distribution deal. And then, you know, after two years of doing that and kind of touring with this act as, as he was trying to build his audience, I, I realized that, you know, I wanted to really be a music producer. And so I went to New York City, got an internship, um, and started grinding my way. I would show up outside of Sony Studios every day with my Beat CD, outside of, of you know, the Universal Building every day with my Beat CD. And, you know, one day I was lucky enough that an A&R from Bad Boy Records heard my music and introduced me to Puff. And wow. um, he he bought my first production. And then, you know, after that I became, you know, I started really working as a producer, then a manager because there was no producer managers at that time. And so I thought that was a good entry point into business. And I, I, nobody believed in my production. So I said, I'm going to manage myself. And then I became really good at managing myself and managing other people. And so one thing turned into the next. And before I knew it, I had, you know, build a very successful publishing business, mm. very successful production business. And then, you know, one thing led to the next, next, next. And 20 years later, here I am. Wow. Fantastic, fantastic, and that was all. Everything you described, born and raised in Miami. Born and raised in Miami, uh, was here until I was sixteen. Spent the, the beginning part of my career, you know, struggling in New York City. Yeah. I was homeless for a period of time. The story goes deeper, but uh, I speak about it in a lot of interviews. You know, that, that, that like the the full struggle of being in New York and really making my career there, and then I had a lot of success moving to LA. A lot of success moving to Toronto, ah. and then back to New York for rock, and then back to Miami. So mm. I, I was blessed to again notice the changes of, of the of the tides as the music industry shifted from New York to LA, as the music industry shifted from LA to kind of the outbreak of Canadian, uh, you know, hip hop and, and R&B in Toronto. So I was I was there in the midst of the Daniel Caesars of the Weekends of the Alessia Caras of the Drakes, mm. and then and then I was able to come to Miami as this you know, momentum of Latin music started to to create, and then, you know, here we are. Wow, bravo, bravo. What a wonderful homecoming. So having heard that then, now I can ask you to tell us about embracing your past to find powerful motivation in business ventures. Well, I think my past, yeah, the, the primary thing is, is showing me that you can reinvent yourself, right? That you have the ability to be impactful and and most importantly, that that if you're doing things within the intention of helping people, you you find purpose, and that purpose allows you to go through the struggles of of any industry, of any business. Because I think people think that because you're successful, life gets a lot easier, and it doesn't. M money helps with things, but it doesn't solve issues. You know, it doesn't it doesn't create it, it creates a lot of other things that go with it, a lot of pressure, a lot of intensity. And so one of the things that life has really allowed me to do in my past is that, you know, you can overcome all these things and you can really, um, essentially, whatever comes your way, you, you can look at it. And as long as your intention is good, you find ways around it and you find the solutions. And so I continue to innovate in business because of that same model. So first is looking into how can I use everything I have to help humanity? And two, in that process, how do I use the knowledge and the, and the business expertise and my relationships and everything I've learned along the way to essentially play the chess game and play it better than everybody else. And so that really allows me to innovate. I love it. I love it. And folks, Lex even partnered 
with industry legend Tommy Matola, and I'm going to have him talk about that in just a minute. But first, I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Miami by entertainment executive Lex Barrero on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. I'm going to put a link to his Instagram account so you can follow him on there, although he is also on LinkedIn if you'd like to send him a connection request through there. In the first half of the show, you heard him talking about both the AM16 agency and about Neon16. Their websites are am16agency.com and neon16.com. Lots of social media for both of those companies. You will see the logos, the links on both websites to connect with them through those various platforms. Yes, folks in there, you just heard me indicate that you can connect with Lex on LinkedIn. You probably reacted with, ooh, the competition for the OWL app that Bruce is always talking about. No, it's not competition. I've said this before. They are complementary resources that you can use for connecting with people you want to meet. On a recent episode of this show, I said that you don't just use one social media platform, right? So you don't just have to have one platform and one platform alone that you use for networking. Besides that, they're hugely different. You might get someone on LinkedIn to accept your connection request, but then are you actually having any contact with him or her? With OWL, you are making actual voice calls through their app to have live conversations with people you want to get to know from a wide range of industry. Try it out. Call me on there. Here's how to start. On my podcast website, nhte.net, tap or click anywhere it says home, and then read the article I have posted there under the headline, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away to Learn More About OWL. I've also got links in there for you to download the app for free from either the App Store or Google Play. Plus, you'll see my invitation code, which is a required field as you're setting up the app on your phone. Get on OWL and start on your way to making great new connections for your career. Lex, before that, I mentioned that you partnered with Tommy Matola. Range Media Partners was also involved, and Entertain was launched, and that collaboration resulted in what I said back in the intro was the most-watched non-scripted show in Latin America on Disney+, and one of the four most-streamed series in the United States. How did you get the opportunity in the first place to partner with Tommy? And then also tell us about the docuseries itself and all the success it had, and Maybe what you attribute that to. Yeah, so Tommy, you know, it, it was a chance meetup with Tommy through his wife Talia, and ever since the, the first day that I met him, we just clicked. We 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 spoke the same language, had the same uh, conviction about what we how we looked at the business, and obviously, you know, he's a legend and he's done more than I will ever do in my career. <laughs> uh, but it became really apparent quickly that we had a mission together that there was this bond almost like a father and son bond and so we we started to figure out how we can play in the sandbox together and we started to create businesses together we started to you know create investments together and you know i, I would say he's been a life-changing uh, relationship not only from a business but from a personal you know he really mm. has essentially become a second father and I mean, there's no one better to learn from than the guy that ran the world, right? And so <laughs> he is the definition of what, you know, today's music industry is. He changed the face of the music industry. He created the Latin explosion on top of that. And, you know, he also gave us the biggest Christmas song of all time. So <laughs> I, I think for, for us, 
you know, it, it's been a great experience and a great learning experience to to have him as a mentor, to have him as, as a person, as a sounding board for ideas, but also to see how much he trusts my business mm. mind and, and my ideas. So I think that's been the biggest uh, change for me is really being able to see someone who's done it all, who's seen it all, who's worked with everybody come in and have so much trust in what I do. It, it gives you that confidence that, hey, you know, what I've been doing is great and what I'm thinking about doing is even greater. So that really created that. And then we, you know, I started in wanting to get into film and television because I felt like I could storytell the same way that I do in music and in brands. And we created this company, Entertain Studios, that really started before that docuseries with a music show called The Signing, which is on Netflix now, um, which is the first urban Latin music competition on any streamer. And the basis of the of the of the show was really to show the audience what it really takes to be a an artist. So all the music is original. There is no covers. They work. Everything you see in the show is how it really happens. And we created this TV moment, which I play the bad guy on the show. I play the Simon Cowell, where I uh, <laughs> to eliminate the artist, we we rip their recording contract uh, in on stage, which is you know really dramatic. But it created that TV moment that that you know Netflix really wanted. But the show itself is amazing. All the artists that have come out of there are doing amazing things. Um, and again, it was a, re, a rethinking of what had already been done and, and how we can innovate because, you know, as an audience, we, we're no longer interested in cover songs. We have so much new music that we want artists that have something to say in real music. So that started with that show. And then as quarantine hit, um, you know, this family, Los, Mont Los Montaneros, they are... Uh, you can you can say they're like the Osbournes, right? The dad is an icon, sells arenas around the world, and every single one of the kids has become a very successful musician or uh, you know or creative. And therefore, uh, I was really interested as as quarantine hit, these this family became extremely viral and really 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 successful. But I I just felt that they needed to be shown in a different light, and so they had you know they had pitched around town a. a concept developed by Bun and Mary who who had done the Kardashians and I just felt like it was not what this family was about I wanted to shoot this show as a music documentary mm. with with a follow doc you know structure so I wanted you to know that if you have never heard of the family you could turn on the show and learn about the family as if you were watching a documentary so we had a lot of archival footage we let a lot of the scenes the emotional scenes breathe instead of trying to like be super cut we didn't overlight the show. Like the aesthetic of the show, I think, is what made it really, really successful because you really felt that the cameras were not there, and you were really looking into this family, how they were, and and what you see is really what you got. We didn't script anything. There was no scripted fights. There, you, this is a family in the middle of, you know, the the dad marrying his last kid, uh, all three fan, all three kids tr having, trying to get pregnant and have their their kids the dad reimagining what his life's going to be out now that all the kids are gone from home and that he's, you know, thinking about retiring. And so all these other things that were real emotions that I think anybody can relate to. Um, and we didn't show the flashy life. We didn't show mm -hmm. all these things. We show these, you know, we show how, how proud, the, for example, the two kids were to be able to play in the arena that their dad played when they were little kids. And this is the first time they sold it out. And you see them break down and those emotional moments of an artist, as well as the pressure that it takes. Uh, again, I, I think a lot of people see success and fame as this wonderful thing, and they don't realize on the other side of the coin, it's, it's a lot of struggles, a lot of things that go with being successful, especially in our business. 
Yeah, and that's what pulling back the curtain does is it shows people that there are human emotions involved and there are very real occurrences that you as a viewer know in your everyday life. And it's not just all glamour and bright lights and pictures and red carpets. And so hats off to you for recognizing that and showing people this is the reality. It's they, We always say, you know, they call it a reality show, but it's not reality. In this case, you're saying, no, this is real life right here. Yeah, yeah. Let's dig into the evolution of Latino media and music in recent decades, trends and styles. Are you happy with its trajectory? And what do you maybe see as the next plateau to reach on the mountain to continue to raise the profile of Latino media and music? Well, I think primarily is the unifying of that, right? I think a lot of what happens is you got to get the community behind a movement and for us as especially in hollywood as latino creators no one has given each other the applause so one of the things we're doing is we understand the concept of perceived value and how important it is to have that perceived value uh in the presentation of how you go into corporate america and how you go into these big buildings and so you know we are supporting other latino creators in music in in film and TV, in brands, and really putting ourselves in a place where our perceived value as a company continues to innovate. So, you know, we just did Formula One in Mexico, and we had our own hospitality suite uh, with artists, with culture influencers, with tattoo artists, with so many different things that no one had ever done in an F1 suite. Mm. And it, sh- it shook the foundation of F1 Mexico. I mean, they they played really hardball at the beginning, and Towards the end, they came and apologized because they just didn't understand what we were doing mm-hmm. and what it did for, for the event, you know, what it did for them as a brand. And so, you know, the, anytime that we can impact and continue to disrupt, it's going to continue to innovate and create opportunities for other people. So that's really what we're all about. Admittedly, I did not see it, so forgive my naivety, but you produced the soundtrack for the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. How did that fit into your wheelhouse, given all that we've talked about today and the priority that you place on Latino-centered projects? So it started because Paramount wanted us to create a remix version of the theme song. And, and again, I, I think so many other people would have been like, great, I'll get, I'll get that money, I'll remix it. And I told them, uh, the only way I'm going to do that is if I get the whole soundtrack. Mm. And if I get to do all the music for the movie and work with all the artists that you guys have. And so they allowed us to do that. And in doing so, we created a song with Jay Balvin uh, called Awa, which is water, that essentially became the summer hit, you know, and it became almost more successful than the actual movie. And so that, again, it was those moments of being able to come in and stand firm and have the perceived value to be able to do that and also have great partners. i got to give it up to Paramount. They took a chance on us. That was our first soundtrack. And, you know, now we're multiple soundtracks in and working on a bunch of different films for them and uh, and shows like our other show that we have on Netflix called Neon. But it all started from just that moment where we, we didn't want to just take a remix. We wanted to show that we can do a whole soundtrack. And we were pretty much the only independent music company in Latin music that has done a soundtrack of that caliber. Yeah, I admire you because... 
to go to them and say, I only want it if I can do the whole soundtrack, there's a real risk there because they could say, listen, Lex, we got a line of people around the block that are happy to take the same opportunity we're extending to you. So take it or leave it instead of telling us, no, I want the whole thing. Was there a little bit of nervousness, admittedly, on your part that they could have said exactly that? Honestly, no. And the only reason was because I knew that, you know, the worst that could happen is they say no and we would miss out on, you know, maybe... I don't know, maybe eighty thousand dollars or something like that, and and I, I, I felt very confident in our ability to deliver this, and I knew that you know they needed our audience, and we and we working together, we were going to do something groundbreaking. So I was willing to take the risk, mm-hmm. and to be honest, it was like right in February, a week before the world shut down. So in the midst of that, I was in Mexico at the Spotify World. Like when I when I kind of told them those news, I told them in the midst of everything else that was going on. So. I didn't overthink it, but um, I see. You know, I think thinking back, obviously, it's some of these decisions that I take. When I look back, I'm like, oh, I should have been a little bit more <laughs> careful. But it, it's it's been part of my mo my whole career. Yeah. I just when I believe in something, I I swing for the fences or don't do it at all. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like, and you have a high batting average to show for it as a result. So. Your approach has been successful before, so you might as well apply it again, and, and it worked. You mentioned Rain before. Talk to me about Talia's mixtape and your involvement with that project. Uh, so same thing. You know, Talia had this idea of, you know, kind of recreating some of the biggest hits that inspired her career through an era, and she wanted to do it in a TV show format, like in a musical-slash-docuseries. And so we created it for MTV, and, um, you know, it's three amazing episodes where she really recreates some of the biggest uh, rock hits of Latin America while doing interviews with the actual singers or band members. Uh, and it became their number one show. It became really, really successful. So we're looking now into continuing that series as well. But, yeah, I, again, just taking an idea and trying to utilize disruption to make it successful. Are you in a position to be discovering new music talent? And if so, what do you look for? What catches your eye? How can somebody stand out in 2023 to get the attention of someone like yourself other than saying, well, my music is good and I have a big social media following? So the biggest thing that I would say is, and I say this on the Netflix show as well, there's a difference between talent and artists, right? Talent are people who have some sort of musical ability. Artists are people that have a musical ability but have something to say to the world. Mm. And so I look for people that have something to say to the world, that have an, an understanding of who they are and who they want to talk to and why they want to talk to them, not just someone who wants to be famous. Uh, because in today's world, that doesn't work. You know, the, 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 the days of the record labels making the superstars is gone. Labels have no power anymore um, other than money. And so therefore, you know, you, you can't embark in the journey of trying to just see someone talent and completely try to develop them you really need to try to find an artist who's who knows how to connect with an audience who has an understanding of their music um because pop music today is almost alternative music it's really whatever it is it it, it doesn't have a sound it doesn't have a specific format it's really creative artists speaking to an audience that is in need of their message and that resonating in a viral way and so that's what i look for when when i'm looking for new music with all that you've done, and maybe you just don't have the time, but is there a book maybe in your future? You certainly have a great story to tell as well as great lessons to teach. So I wonder if that's something you're thinking about writing. 
Yeah, I you know I've played around with the idea. I, I I don't know if for me an autobiography type book is not what I want to do, but I I do have kind of this view of the world, and so I've been writing a book called Find My Rhythm, Find Your Rhythm, and you know it touches on things in my career. It touches you. You do get if you're a music industry kind of fan, you'll get all these insight stories, but it's all meant to really teach you a new way to look at life and how to look at success and, uh, and how to find your rhythm in life, you know, cause I don't believe in balance. I think balance is a, is a concept that we've been taught that is so fragile because if you put a small straw in the middle of a stick and you barely blow it, it's going to fall and life was going to, life is going to throw at you a lot more than a little blow. Uh, but, but I believe in, in the concept of rhythm because everything about our lives is rhythm. Our heartbeat is rhythm. The way we talk is rhythm. The way we walk is rhythm. And so my concept of utilizing the power of music and, and how music shifts our lives, but most importantly, how you can find rhythm in, in your life, um, I, I think will give people a different way to look at success, a different way to live their daily lives. And in the midst of that story, you also get all these fun stories about the music industry and, uh, you know, these inside uh, look into the life of famous people. So it's a little bit of entertaining, but with a message. I, I really wanted to give people a workbook to better their lives overall, whether you're trying to be successful in, in entertainment or not. Well, for what it's worth coming from me, find the time, finish that book, Lex. I know that a lot of us would be very interested in reading that. It sounds like it's going to be something that we'll all look forward to. So I'm going to encourage you to, to stick with that because I know you're on to something. A few minutes ago, you mentioned about trying to get another season for Talia's mixtape. As we get ready to wrap up, I wonder what other shows do you have in the works and or what music projects are you working on that you're able to reveal? And then also what's ahead for you in 2024? Yeah, so we have multiple shows in the works right now. Uh, you know, we're doing season two for the Montaner show, uh, for the signing on Netflix, for the Talia show. But we also have embarked in multiple productions of scripted shows across town. So we have some shows uh, all based within, again, the human emotion of the Atlanta experience. But So we have a lot of TV projects coming. We're also working on the Tommy Mottola documentary, which is incredible. Um, so I'll make sure that once we are ready to premiere, I'll send you an invitation because... Please. Uh, I mean, this, this, man's, this man's career and, the, and his approach is incredible, and this documentary is really... It's like no other, you know, music industry documentary I've ever seen. So mm. we're really excited about that doc. Um, on the music side, you know, we signed Sean Paul, which I'm super excited about. We have a lot of new artists that, that we've signed as well. Tiny's coming out with a new album, 2024 as well. On the brand side, you know, continue to expand what we're doing with the NFL, with Formula One, um, and, and really into sports. And, and for me, it really is about, you know, continuing to lead the charge of building this this incredible Latino-based multimedia company as I continue to look into acquisition and growing and, and really turn it into a full multicultural company. So I, I will look into, you know, other sources of music, not just Latin, uh, and as well as content. So that's really what's to come in 2024. Bravo, bravo, fantastic. And yes, I'd love to come over to Miami and see that. Please send me an invitation. Thank you, Lex, so much for your time today and now here this entertainment i so enjoyed the conversation fame thanks for having me bruce i appreciate it
You bet. You bet. And folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to entertainment executive Lex Barrero. Again, on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net, I'm going to put a link so you can follow him on Instagram. Remember, too, though, that he is also on LinkedIn, so you can send him a connection request on there. Two websites you will want to check out that I mentioned earlier are neon16.com and am16agency.com, both of which have lots of social media links for you to engage with. For that matter, let them know that you heard Lex on Now Hear This Entertainment. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Lex and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine and a half years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you'll see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 509. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week on another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment.